Welcome to Other World. I'm your host, Jack Wagner. This episode is going to feature two stories. It was originally just going to be one, but I actually stumbled into the second one in person and decided it was meant to be. These stories have similar themes, and the storytellers themselves are similar in a way as well. I think I describe both of these guys as people who are not easily scared and people who are probably surprised to be finding themselves on a paranormal podcast talking about a time that they were truly terrified. This first story comes from a guy named Carson. He's from Colorado. He just got out of the military and he emailed me about a set of memories from his childhood. His childhood home was on a hill and it backed up right to this forest with a hiking trail running through it. I'll post pictures, but imagine a house built on this steep slope in the woods, and in the back of the house, there are three little balconies on different floors that you could walk out to from the inside, but are way too high up to access from the ground below. Not only that, there's not even stairs leading up to them, so they're really just something that you could use from the inside, go stand out there, and take in the views of the forest. His story begins when him and his sisters start seeing somebody or something standing out on that trail behind the house. This is episode 59. The title is The Man on the Trail, and you're listening to Otherworld. Hello? Is this Bobby? Yes, it is. At, at its core, the science you can't argue with. Don't a like story about all of a sudden. up in the sky. It's almost frustrating that it's happening. I'm literally, I'm going to die. I'm like... Just- Its limbs were just like wrong. Everybody moves back into the light, even if it takes them a minute. My name is Carson. I grew up in a town called Golden, Colorado. Not in the town specifically, that's kind of at the foothills of the mountains, but a little bit into the mountains in a small suburb of Golden. Kind of in between Golden and Evergreen, if people know where that is, um, to get a better idea of it. I was born in 1994, so I'm in my late 20s now, and I had just gotten out of the Army last year, um, and I currently live out east. The story itself takes place in um, my childhood home where I grew up in, uh, again, Um, And this is in the early 2000s, roughly. I think it was like 2000, 2001-ish. I grew up with uh, my mom. My parents are divorced. My dad lived in Denver at the time. And my mom's house is where the story takes place in the mountains. I had two older sisters and one older brother. I was the baby. Um, I was in elementary school-ish at this time. Uh, My sisters were in high school. And my brother was away at college. So I think before we start, I kind of wrote it in the email to, um, if I could just kind of explain the layout of the house specifically, just because um, it's going to come into play later on a little bit um, to get a better understanding of kind of where um, this happened. My house that I grew up in, when you, when you pull up to it, it wasn't like a conventional neighborhood where the houses are really close together. It's into the forest a little bit, so you pull down a street like any other street, but the houses are kind of kind of spaced far apart. They each have like their own kind of 
long driveway that kind of winds back a little bit. So they're a good distance away from each other. And my mom's house uh, specifically was kind of around this bend into the forest and it's built on a hill. So when you pull up to the house, it looks like a ranch style house. It looks like a one level house. But when you walk through the front door, you're actually walking in on the top floor, if that makes sense. So from the back side of the house on the slope, looking at the house, it looks like a three-story house because it's it's built, but you're actually from the back side of the house walking in on the on the basement level. And so I, growing up, was in one of the bedrooms that faced the back of the woods. That was my bedroom. My two sisters shared the other bedroom that faced the woods. To begin the story, again, early 2000s, uh, my sisters were in high school. I was a young kid, elementary school. I don't know if I was kindergarten, first grade, that age-ish, you know, six or seven. And my sisters were in bed one night. Um, It was late at night. My brother, again, away at college. We had all gone to sleep, and I had woken up to my sisters banging on my mom's door. And they were yelling. Um, And this night in particular, I think it was like late summer, kind of early fallish. It was a pretty clear night. I remember the woods being very lit up by the moon. Um, So it was kind of that bluish kind of, you know, hue outside with the moonlight in the woods. So you could see out there, you can see a lot of details, but, you know, you could see out there. It wasn't pitch black. Um, And they had been yelling at my mom, hey, there's someone outside our window. And so hearing that um, outside my bedroom door, I looked out my window and sure enough, there was a figure about 30 yards away from the house behind a tree. And it was like if someone was half behind a tree and half kind of peeking out. It wasn't moving. I remember it being pretty tall, no like distinct features. It just kind of looked like a black silhouette, um, probably six feet in that area. Um, I remember it being pretty slender. And at that age, you know, I was like paralyzed with fear when I saw it. So my mom was kind of trying to calm my sisters down because my sisters were, you know, big horror movie fans and stuff. And she thought they were just working themselves up. And so, um, you know, she walked them down after they had been freaking out. And I was kind of up at this point and I was still kind of sitting there freaked out of what I was seeing. At that point, man, as a kid, it was kind of that paralyzing fear because I didn't know what it was. Um, cause my sisters would kind of freak me out as a kid, like, you know, just to mess with me. Um, but this was like completely different. Like, you know, if you see someone out in the woods, like a silhouette at night, you can kind of make out clothes and stuff. It, it just, it looked smooth from what I can remember, if that makes sense. So it looked like a pure shadow, if that makes sense. And again, this is a long time ago, but this is kind of what was seared into my mind at the time. Um, But the only time I saw him was that first night. And it took me a while to kind of build up the courage to even get out of bed because it was that paralyzing fear. And it it wasn't moving at all. It was just standing there. It It didn't shift. It didn't go kind of back and forth between behind the tree and looking around. And I was sitting there for maybe, you know, 45 seconds before I ran out and joined my sisters and mom. But it it was, yeah, the sense of pure fear is what I can remember. 
kind of that fear. I don't know if, you know, as a kid, you get that sense where you can't move. It was it was like that. I was like, I didn't want it to see me, even though it probably couldn't because my room was pitch black. But it was a lot going on. I finally shot out of bed, ran out, and I said, Mom, there's someone outside, there's someone outside. And so she was upset with my sisters that she thought that they had woken me up and freaked me out. So she brings him back to the room. She's looking outside, doesn't see anything, kind of brushes it off. So this happened a few times, and it it was kind of like my one of my sisters would see it one night. Um, they both would see it, and it was kind of that same area. And it, in between the house and where this thing was standing is a walking trail that kind of cuts through the side of the hill. And it's, you know, just a walking trail in the woods. It was probably about 20 yards back. And again, it was like how the trail works is it's it's like a cutout, a small, tiny cutout of the hill because it's on a slope, but it's going along the slope. It's not going downhill. It kind of winds with the mountain, if that makes sense. So from the, if you're looking out the back window, it's going from left to right. It's not going down if that makes sense, away from the house. It's going along the side of it. So it kept happening and kept happening. Um, my mom, each time we kind of go down, it probably happened, you know, four or five times in the span of a couple of months. And it wouldn't be in the same location. The, the only time I actually saw it um, at this point was that first night. So it was my sisters, again, middle of the night, started yelling at my mom. She started to kind of get upset they would wake her up at night. And she was a flight attendant, so she was kind of gone all, a lot. So she was would come home late from doing a flight, try to be sleeping, and the sisters would wake her up. And then one night, my neighbors, who were in the house kind of adjacent to us off into the woods, um, in those summer months, they would walk their dogs on that trail at night if it was a nice night out. And so one night, my mom is asleep. We're all asleep, um, including my sister's. And the phone was ringing. So my mom woke up, answered the phone, and uh, it was my neighbor. And they said, are you guys home? She called the house phone and said, I think your son is trying to get into the house. And by son, she meant my older brother. Um, I think he's locked out of the house. Um, and my mom was like, no, he's, he's off at school. What, what's going on? And she said, well, we were walking the dogs and we saw a man standing on that, that back porch. The, the small back porch, just standing there. And we didn't know if it was your son trying to get into the house. So my mom instantly kind of had, you know, a realization that, oh, crap, you know, this is that thing that the girls were talking about. And so she immediately calls the police. The police come to the house. They search the woods. Back then, we didn't have, um, like, a security system or blinds or... Um, curtains or anything to block those backside windows. Um, so she she calls the police. The police come. They search the woods, um, just like close to the house. Um, they don't find anything. You know, they kind of said it could be, you know, some guy walking on the woods. It could be kids. We don't know. And so um, my mom was freaked out because it was, you know, my sisters had seen this thing so many times that it, it kind of got her rattled. So next day we called a Security company, they came out, installed a security system. Um, we got blinds and curtains for all the windows. Um, and then we also got motion lights 
um, put on around the house. So around the backside, around the sides, and in the front of the house. And so everything kind of seemed to settle down at this point. Um, Once all of that was installed, nothing really happened for a couple of years. Um, And at that age, you know, I... I didn't really tell my my buddies about it because it wasn't like if I was in high school and I would come back to talk to my friends and be like, you guys won't believe what happened. Like there's some psycho in the woods or there's thing in the woods, whatever it was. As a kid, I, I was I was really freaked out, especially when the police came because I was like, oh, it's actually serious. Um, and I just kind of wanted to forget about it. Um, my sisters <laughs> were really freaked out um, because they didn't, like I said, they referred to it as a man. So they were kind of creeped out. They stopped, they stopped like changing in their room, if that makes sense. Because they didn't know, you know, if it was, you know, some creep just trying to watch them high school girls change clothes, you know, or some nut job. So they would go to my brother's room, um, which has one tiny window. It was in the basement. So they would do all their changing and stuff down there because they were, they were freaked out if it was like a, a person, you know, standing there trying to spy on them or whatever. They had asked, I remember all of their guy friends, you know, in high school, hey, is anyone coming over at night trying to mess with us? All of them were very adamant, no. As a kid, like I said, I didn't I didn't want to talk to my friends about it. It wasn't like those things I was coming to school and bragging about because once the police were involved, especially after that one night, I was freaked out as a kid. But yeah, it was mostly talk about like, who could it be to them? The first night they were really scared. And then the other nights it was happens, they were scared, but they were trying to piece it together. Like, all right, who the hell is this kind of a thing? They would kind of tell their friends about it. But once we got the security system and stuff installed, it kind of, it kind of mellowed out a lot. So they refer to it as the man on the trail. Um, this is kind of like what we talked about um, in the later years when we would tell the story to people, we'd call it the man on the trail story. The first night, it was behind that tree, kind of in between the walking path and the house. And it was close to their window, if that makes sense. So um, the second and third time, I remember it being them telling me that it was farther back, kind of behind the trail, if that makes sense, further down into the woods. Again, they said they never saw it moving. It was always kind of stagnant, just standing there. And then the neighbor also had said to my mom, you know, that it wasn't like someone was moving and trying to peer into the windows. That's why they thought it was weird that my brother was locked out um, or if he was just standing there because they said he was just, it was just standing there on the back porch. And the thing is, to get onto that back porch, like I said, it's, it's a wooden porch, like an old kind of wooden porch. And our bedrooms are right next to that, that porch, like those, the, the back two bedrooms. And so to get onto it, you have, to, you have to jump and grab the guardrails and pull yourself up. But when you did that, even as a kid, because you know, I would do it with my buddies just messing around, getting into the house the back way. You know, as a kid who weighed nothing, the entire porch would like creak and crack. The windows aren't, you know, thick windows. You would hear that. It didn't wake any of us up the night that it was on that porch. So it again, the only time when people saw this thing, it was it was just standing there. It was not moving. It didn't shift by tree to tree or like try to hide the night I saw it. Like I said, it was kind of half behind a tree and half 
out. So I saw kind of the, it would be the left side of it if it was facing the house. And it was just, yeah, that that kind of shadow silhouette. It wasn't like it was wearing a hoodie and I could see kind of, you know, ripples from what I remember. It was just like an outline. It's, it's kind of weird to explain, but that's, you know, the best I can explain it. So years later, again, I'm late elementary school at this time. Brother is now out of college. Sister, one of my older sisters is in college and the other one is, is babysitting at the time. My mom is on a flight and I have a buddy over. Uh, we were having a sleepover. It was the weekend. Again, had never told this story to any of my friends. They had no prior knowledge of, you know, the quote-unquote man on the trail. I had my buddy over and we're in that downstairs living room. Um, where that small balcony is. And my sister is upstairs in the upstairs living room watching TV. Again, the motion lights that we had installed are right outside my sister's old bedroom. Um, So if anything comes, you know, within, I think it was like 15 feet of the house, that light goes off. So we're sitting there and my buddy and I are building a fort out of like all the couch pillows and, and stuff like you used to do as a kid. And, you know, we're building this thing. And um, the blinds that we had on that back balcony sliding glass door were these big, long kind of vertical white blinds, these like small rectangles that were, there's probably about 15 of them and you could pull the string and they would open up or you could, you know, pull the other string and it would slide open. But they were all, in, they were all individually placed into their frame. So um, my buddy throws a pillow at me Um, And it knocks five or six of those vertical blinds off of the mount. Um, And at that point, I'm laughing hysterically because he had knocked off the blinds and it was funny and he missed me completely. And his face went completely white. He he did like a double take because he he knocked it down and he was kind of shocked like at first, like he was going to get in trouble. Like, oh crap, I just broke the blinds. And again, this is years ago, but this is kind of seared into my mind too. But he he looked kind of like scared that he was going to get in trouble to kind of like when you squint your eyes, like you think you see something, but you're not sure. And then after that moment of realization that, hey, it's not my mind playing tricks on me, it kind of, his eyes widened and it was it was pure fear. And he shot up the stairs And I started running after him again, laughing because I thought he was running away um, and was scared he was going to get in trouble for knocking the blinds down. Um, And he ran up the stairs super fast, straight to my sister. My sister said, what happened? And I said, we can fix it. We can fix the blinds. It's not a big deal, man. And he looked right at my sister and said, I saw a man standing on your porch. And at that point, my sister sat us down and started to walk towards the window to see what was down there because from the cutout of the window upstairs and the window seat, you can see down onto that back balcony. And she starts walking to that back window and as she's walking to that window seat, the motion light on the back of the house goes off, which kind of stops her. Like she's now kind of scared to look. And then shortly after that, the front motion light goes off it kind of like stopped her in her tracks. Like she was like, I don't know if I want to look. So my sister sits us down, says, stay here, make sure the security uh, system was armed and calls the police again. 
Police come to the house. They do another sweep. They didn't see anything. And so that was it. Now, the thing I thought about later on was my buddy and I had been building that fort for, you know, a couple hours. We were playing video games, building that fort. Um, The TV and where we were building that fort was feet away from that balcony, that sliding glass door. And like I said earlier, this is this is also why I kind of, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was a man or what, because remember this balcony um, on the backside of the house is about six feet off the ground. There's no stairs up to it. It's on stilts. So you can get onto it, but you have to muscle your way up. You have to jump. You have to grab onto the side of the railing and actually physically pull yourself onto it. And there's no way to do that without making, you know, a tremendous amount of noise. It is the loudest thing ever. I mean, my mom had caught me from sneaking out of the house in high school, you know, a dozen times because of the noise that made because I was coming in through the back door that would wake up the two rooms that fall on either side of those uh, or of the balcony rather. So either he was standing there for hours without us knowing or just super light on his feet. I don't know like what else to say. And on top of that, that motion light never went off until we were upstairs. So we would have saw it um, because it, you know, it lights up through the blinds. It's very, very bright. So again, he was either standing there for a very long time or he's sneaky. I I don't know how to explain it. But my buddy said, you know, later on, I, I saw something out there. And so when he was staring at the window after he knocked it down, He was kind of squinting his eyes trying to figure out what he was seeing, if it was, you know, his mind playing tricks on him or if it was something. And talking to him later on, he again said it was, I I couldn't see a face or anything. It was just the silhouette of a person. And then after that night, you know, it was was nothing, especially in high school. um, You know, I was at that house the majority of the time by myself because my mom was flying a lot. The only other night was coincidentally, it was that same buddy from that night was over. And this was later on. We were in high school. Uh, we were home alone. And I was, uh, we were upstairs in the kitchen. I was arming the system, the security system. From the kitchen where the security system was, you could see the front door. And we had two big vertical windows on each side of the door. And they also had those kind of slatted blinds, but they were uh, horizontal blinds, like wooden ones. And... Um, the porch light was on and it would, this was late, late. It was like probably two or three in the morning. And so I was on the system to go to sleep. My buddy was with me and uh, we just both happened to be looking at that front door as we, I was waiting for it to turn on. And we saw a big shadow walk up, kind of cover the light and then walk back. I don't know if it was related or what, but my buddy and I instantly looked at each other like, you remember the man on the trail kind of a thing? We were freaking each other out, but no motion light went off. It was just like that one experience. But I mean, it's something we still talked about to this day. And now, of course, you know, as I've gotten older, all my friends know about it. And um, yeah, it's one of those things you don't you don't forget, man. It, it, it just, it didn't make sense the, the older I got thinking about it. And I think it was one of those things back then, you kind of tell yourself, oh, it's just some creep. You know, it's one of the girl's friends. But now it couldn't be the girl's friends because... They were well into college, sometimes out of college. Um, so for, you know, if it was one of their high school friends to keep coming back to the house to just try to mess with them is weird. One, um, 
the sound definitely is like the biggest giveaway to me. But the older I've gotten, I to this day, man, I don't know what the hell it was. If it was paranormal or just a super sneaky dude just being weird. And then especially that night the neighbor saw him. Again, he wasn't moving. He was just standing there, not looking into the bedrooms, standing on that back porch. And at that point, um, the night the neighbor saw him, we didn't have the blinds or security system yet. We got him because of that night. So if he was trying to look in at my sister's, um, he would have just stood in front of their window um, or my window. You know, it was it was weird that he was on that back deck. And so mixed with all of that to this day, I have no idea what it was. The figure of it didn't look like a man. It didn't look like a woman. It looked like a shadow. That makes sense. What would be worse to you, paranormal or a creep? Um, paranormal, because a, a creep, a, a, you know, nowadays, you know, I can, I can handle a creep, you know, you got, you got options. If it's paranormal, it's not making noise. You don't know what it's capable of, you know? And that's, so it's like, I think it's that fear of the unknown too, which is the scariest part. Um, you know, if you, if it's a creep, you can at least, you know, somewhat understand, Hey, there's, there's some weirdo in the woods. We can, you can handle it at that point. You can defend yourself. If it's an unknown, you know, thing, creature, whatever it is, anything paranormal, you know, who knows what it's capable of, which is even scarier. Okay, thank you to Carson for that story. If you want to see photos, I'll be posting them on our Instagram. What happened to his family is so odd. And at first, it seemed like Maybe there was a peeping Tom out on the trail, but, you know, the shadowy figure was just standing there. Even when it was on the porch, it was just standing there, hanging out. It wasn't looking into the windows. It wasn't peeping. And that's kind of the whole point of being a peeping Tom. Like, that's their whole thing, isn't it? Not to mention the fact that it showed up years later out of nowhere. If this was some kind of stalker or creepy human, I think the pattern of his appearance over such a long period of time would be very unusual. Overall, I think the main reason that I like this story is that I'm not sure which version would be more frightening to me. A creepy human staring into my house from the trail and silently appearing on these porches in a way that doesn't make any sense, or something paranormal. All right. Like I said, we have a second story in this episode. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the rest of the show. I used to be really bad at keeping track of my finances. A very stupid part of me believed that if I just don't look at my bank accounts and my credit card statements, the money will all still be there, even if I spent it on stupid stuff that month. Well, that's not how it works. I learned the hard way. It's quite the opposite. Usually when I finally did look, I'd notice that there was some subscription I've been paying for that I forgot to cancel or I got overcharged for something and it's too late to fix. But now I use Rocket Money to keep track of all of that for me so I don't have to worry. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you could grow your savings. Rocket Money finds all of your bills and subscriptions for you, lays them out, and gives you the option to cancel them automatically or 
it can negotiate a lower price for you. I recently tested this out on my internet bill and they were able to negotiate a lower price for me. I saved like $300 doing this. If you're like me and you get scared checking your accounts, Rocket Money might be your savior. It's nice having everything in one place and under control. I promise you're gonna be very happy once you finally do it. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com otherworld. That's rocketmoney.com otherworld. Hi, this is Amy Poehler here to tell you about a new improvised show from Paper Kite Podcasts, the team that brought you Say More with Dr. Sheila. Check out our new parody podcast, Women Talking About Murder. It's a show about women talking about murder. Every episode features special guests, twists, turns, and the mystery of a missing co-host. Available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. This next story is also about a man on a trail, or at least something that looks like one at first. This is a story that came to me in person, actually. I was at a party recently at my friend Sam and Stacy's house, and Sam told me that I needed to meet his friend who had a very wild story that might be good for my podcast. He ended up introducing me to this guy, and I heard a little bit of the story, and I agreed. I did want to hear more. So Sam ends up leading us down outside of his house into this creepy little basement room under his home that has dirt floors and a little writing desk set up so that his friend could tell me this story in a quiet place away from this crowded party. The story you're about to hear is about a group of guys in the 90s who were off-roading deep in the Arizona desert near the Mexico border. And if you aren't familiar with this area, we're talking about miles and miles of desert stretching as far as the eye can see, very far from civilization. This is a place where if you go deep enough in, you could really find yourself in places where very few humans have even stepped foot. And for that reason, when these guys saw somebody else out there with them, they knew that something was probably off. I'm going to let Andrew take it from here and tell the rest of this story. I'm Andrew from Los Angeles. I'm in the arts, I do graphic design, I do art direction for a living, uh, work for an apparel company. I've lived all over the United States, grew up in Arizona, grew up in Tempe specifically. Uh, and a thing that we, a lot of people that grew up in Phoenix or Tucson would do when they were young sons of bitches would uh, be go to Mexico because you could drink when you were 18. So me and my friends, my high school buddies, took off one weekend to go to Nogales. Nogales is a border town on the Arizona-Mexico border. Great little spot where we would park on the American side of the border, walk across, bringing our backpacks, very important. (laughs) Buy tequila, buy whatever you wanted, you know, have a good time for the day, have some drinks, eat some tacos, you know. Uh, maybe get some prescriptions filled, yada, yada. Then walk back with backpacks filled to the brim with tequila and the border guards back then would just wave us through. I mean, this is the 90s, so, you know, the war on terror had not begun. So the border was a little looser. So my friends and I had done this a a bunch of times and uh, always had a great time. 
This particular time went off without a hitch like no other. Upon re-entering the United States, we, we noticed a massive monsoon brewing in the distance. And if you're not familiar with a monsoon, it's a big desert storm that comes rolling through, sometimes without any notice. Lots of dark clouds, lots of lightning, lots of wind, preceded by a giant dust storm. So we all hop in, his, in my friend Ryan's car. Um, oh, I guess I should say there's four of us. We have Ryan, Brian, and Matt, and myself, Andrew. Like four of the whitest names, Ryan, Brian, and Matt. <laughs> so we, we all hop in, in my friend's very lifted blazer, you know, 32-inch tires, forest green, 1995 Chevy Blazer, beautiful car, especially if you're a redneck from Arizona. <laughs> we head off, heading back towards Tucson, and the monsoon gets real bad, real nasty. And if you're familiar with the monsoon, sometimes it'll wash out a road, it'll just take it clear out. So we hit a patch of traffic, and um, sure enough, the road's all flooded, the road's washed out, no one can go anywhere. And my friend Ryan, with his lifted truck, loves any excuse to take this sucker off-road. Just, you know, any excuse to go romping, as you'd call it, you know. So he's like, you know what? I think we can get around this whole mess. There's a dirt road over here. We'll just head off into the desert. We'll get around this all this whole fucking traffic jam, and uh, we'll be out of here in no time. You know, we're like, yeah, man, this will be fun. You know, we'll just head off into the desert. Just a little romping in the desert, you know, a little monsoon, no big deal. It is starting to get pretty late in the day, and it's at, in, in the and the darkness is sort of upon you. You know, at the the desert you can see for miles and miles. So like, I don't know if you like no country for old men. You know, like that vista. Picture that. You know, like lightning flashing in the distance. The storm has rolled on, but everything's wet. It's kind of dark. There's some light peering through. Very moody. We're heading down this this dirt road. There's hills going up. They're going down. You're going in and out of mud puddles. We're having a good time. Everyone, we were blasting music. Everything's fine. All of a sudden, we start to notice that there is no more dirt road. We've run out of room and that we're getting kind of stuck. There's nowhere really to go from, from, like from this point on. You're just sort of like, I mean, you could tear ass into the desert and go over some boulders and some shrubs and stuff, but like, you'd probably fuck up your car pretty bad. So what we do is we, we, we come to this sort of dead end and uh, we all pile out and we're all sort of assessing what we should do, smoking cigs, talking about it, shooting the shit. And then all of a sudden, my friend Brian goes, who the fuck is that? Clear out in the distance, about 200 yards, there's just a figure all in white. And at this point, we just think, oh, there's just, there's like a person out there. So we start waving, we start hollering. This figure, this being starts coming closer and closer while we're waving at it. And we're like, that's weird. It's not like waving back. There's no like, there's no signs of it acknowledging us. When we head out, headed out on that dirt road, I mean, we must've been driving for at least 30, 40 minutes. So easily 20 miles out. Because we're you know you're not driving super fast, so pretty far out, far enough out that shocking to see anybody, shocking to see anything. I mean it's it's 
it's very flat. You know, there's mountains way off in the distance, but those have got to be easily like 50 miles. The landscape you can see for hundreds of miles. I mean, it's, it's, it's just very vast and clear. So to see anything, let alone something so vibrant and white is, is, is unsettling. And it, it just steadily keeps coming closer and closer and closer. So now we're all starting to get a little fucking freaked out because this thing, at this point, you're, you're so far away, maybe about 100 yards at this point, where you're like, I can't tell what it is. You think it's a person, but is it? All you see is just white. One of my friends is like, oh, it's just, it's just like the beams of light coming through the clouds, like illuminating this person. And we're like, I don't know, man, there's the, the beams of light. They're kind of over that way. Not really, not really in this area. And we're like, oh yeah, whatever. You know, it's probably, it's a, it's probably just someone's lost. Maybe it's a, a migrant, you know, that crossed the border and is, is lost. And maybe they're scared and they don't want to like wave back at us. Now it's just getting closer and closer and closer, and we're waving. We're saying, hey, hey, you know, like, hola, como esta? Nothing. We're getting nothing in response. Just the arms aren't swaying. There's no, like, sign of, like, uh, like the bushes or the rocks, like, affecting its movement whatsoever, almost like floating through the landscape. That's the other thing. So, it, like, its pace was unsettling because it was quick. Like, not quite what you would qualify as running, but not more like, a, more than a brisk walk. You know, like, it was a steady, quick pace coming at us. Like, it seemed like unimpeded. Like, it was coming on a straight line. It wasn't like meandering through the shrubs and the rocks and the bullshit. It was just coming straight for us. So now everyone's starting to get a little concerned because it's about, I don't know, 25, 30 yards away. And we've, we've gotten zero response. And my friend Ryan, who owns the truck, being a typical Arizona-type boy, of course, has a handgun and the glove box. Growing up in Arizona, you shoot a lot of guns. So you're pretty used to them being around. So my friend Ryan pulls it out because he's like, I don't know what's, what's happening. Better be prepared. Closer it gets... Still no response. It's still coming, coming at us with just no, no emotion, no, no sign that it's acknowledging our, our existence whatsoever. And, and then my, my friend Ryan's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot off a couple shots, see what happens. And we're like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? And then sure enough, when my friend Brian is trying to convince Ryan to not do it, he just pulls that Glock 17 out in there and just... Rings off a couple shots. Scares the shit out of all of us. The being, the figure, no movement, zero movement. It just keeps coming towards us. And at this point, we're all fucking shitting our, shitting our pants because we're just like, wait a second. This thing didn't bat an eyelash, didn't move, not, no response. What, what the fuck is this thing? The thing that stuck with me and has stuck with me to this day is it's, it's, it's like... It like reflected light. A light-figured being is the best way I can describe it. It was like radiating. Except that the creepy thing was there was no light piercing the clouds to make it 
light. You know, it was just in a sort of gloomy gray blue sky environment with, uh, you know, like the red clay of the earth. You could tell it was wearing clothing, but you couldn't tell like that's obviously a t-shirt, you know, like if you had to say anything, maybe some sort of like tunic, some sort of garb, some sort of like drapey cloth, you know. If I had to describe its face, like I, I, I would say the like, there were eyes, but I wouldn't say that they had like pupils, you know, like it was everything was just white and like white and light. So you're looking at this thing and you're just like, it's a thing that you've never seen before. So it's in a moment where you're kind of panicked. Like there's like, I, I guess I don't know like how to describe that, like the unsettling feeling that it put in all of us. There was something menacing about it. Although it's, you know, being white and lit up. The way it moved, the way it beelined towards us was somewhat, somewhat menacing. It wasn't, like it was a friendly spirit, you know, there was something like, you need to leave. And at this point, we're just all so scared that we just jump back in the car and then turn on the high beams. And like I said, this, this, this figure is just all in white and the high beams almost like, it didn't even like, there was like no effect on it. Like it's like light didn't catch it. It was still just white and everything around it was lit up. And then at that point, we were just like, let's get the fuck out of here. And my friend Ryan throws his big-ass truck in reverse, and we start tearing ass down this dirt road. And at this point, you know, the figure had been where we were standing, and now it's just continually coming after us, closer and closer. And we're, I don't know, going 20, 25 miles per hour and we're in reverse, hitting all kinds of bumps back and forth, just, you know, and we're getting farther away and you can just still see it off in the distance, just walking down this dirt road, just, just, just after us. And then as, as soon as we could turn around he swung and swung the, swung the blazer around and then they got the hell out of there. <laughs> and then at that point we were like, wait, what the fuck was that? I headed back to Tempe and all we were t- talking about the whole time, we were just arguing constantly about what that was. And, we were all deeply unsettled by it because it was, it's like lack of reaction. It's lack of acknowledgement towards us was the spookiest fucking thing that I've ever experienced. Guns are incredibly loud, especially when fired pretty, I mean, we were all standing within five feet of each other. And when that goes off in close range and you're not expecting it, it scares the living shit out of you. Even if you're expecting it, it's a bit startling. All of us jumped. All of us had a reaction of some of some kind. Best as I can tell, the figure didn't move, didn't stop coming towards us. So from the moment that we pulled down that road and we spotted it about 200 yards away, it started coming at us immediately. And this gunshot, when it was, I don't know, 30 yards out, didn't deter it, didn't stop. It didn't accelerate. It didn't come faster at us or slower. It just kept coming like a steady pace. Yeah, when the gunshot went off and this thing didn't react, it was terrifying. It, it's, it's, it's hard to explain because 
you're you're so focused on what is happening and and then this gunshot goes off that scares the living shit out of all of us and it this thing has no reaction to it whatsoever it was very 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 unsettling <laughs> you know unnerving or like it sent shivers all through my body you know every ounce of my body was saying get the fuck out of here because any human would have reacted the way we did I don't care how stone cold you are, like, or I don't even, even if you were in shock, I mean, like, there's just no way you wouldn't have some kind of reaction to this. You know, an event like this is, it definitely, especially at that age, you know, like 18 years old, you're, you're impressionable. So I was, you know, I'm an atheist, whatever, you know, like, didn't really believe in the supernatural. Then this happened, and I'm like, Holy fuck. There's there's more there's more out there. There's more to this. There's more there's more than than we can see. So when people, you know, you hear ghost stories or you hear supernatural events, sometimes I I'm like take people seriously cuz it's like I had this thing happen and I feel like I'm a very rational level-headed person and I saw something I can't fucking explain, you know? It's it's unexplainable. And then like I've told this story at parties or around a campfire and people have called me a fucking liar or a bullshit. And I'm like, hey, yo, I saw what I saw. You know, there's no reason. It's... And I got my my three buddies that were there and we've talked about it to the, you know, like I'm sure they're still telling that same story because it was, it, it was the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. It definitely, yeah, it changed my perspective on how... Little things sometimes in life can maybe be much bigger. This, like I said, this thing felt menacing. It felt like it didn't want us there. And it had obviously no fear. So when you're dealing with something like that, it's, it's fucking scary, you know? All right. Thank you so much to both of our storytellers, Caleb and Andrew. This has been episode 59. The title is The Man on the Trail, and you've been listening to Otherworld. Otherworld is executive produced and hosted by myself, Jack Wagner. Our theme song is by Coberman. The soundtrack of this episode is by Juice Jackal and North Americans. The song you're hearing right now is Such a Bore by Bass Drum of Death. Editing by Justin Mayfield and engineering by Theo Schaefer. Our artwork is by Cul-de-Sac Studios. Production help by Nikki Delgado and Haley Pearson. Special shout out this week to Thomas Bradley, who's been designing our bumper stickers and a lot of other cool stuff that you've seen coming out from the show. Please show us your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and telling your friends. If you want to hear bonus episodes of Otherworld, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash otherworld. Our social media is at OtherworldPod. That's our handle on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thank you to the team at Odyssey. J.D. Crowley, Jenna Weiss-Berman, Leah Reese-Dennis, Rob Morandi, Eric Donnelly, Matt Casey, Casey Klauser, Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. Follow and listen to Otherworld now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you or somebody you know has experienced something paranormal, supernatural, or unexplained, you could send us your story at stories at otherworldpod.com. 